Welcome to the Stay Hot Podcast on the 10th Region Weekly, 3rd edition. I am Coach Patrick Kelch, along with Evan Dennison of Ledger. And Evan, another exciting week in 10th Region basketball. And I think uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't start with the rivalry games. We had a couple this week, and uh, Augusta Bracken, and I know Campbell and Bishop Brossard. And um, let's start with Augusta Bracken because, uh, one, that's the one I'm most interested in, just being my alma mater. But uh, that's one of those rivalry games where – the best team don't always win. I've been a part of it in the past where, you know, I felt like I was on the better team and lost, and I felt like I was on, you know, the, the worst team and won. So um, let's talk about that game. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I was there, uh, you know, once again, happy to be back on the show doing this on Sunday evening with you. And, uh, you know, that was a, a game last Monday. Um, you know, Augustus started off. Both teams were really cold and jittery the first quarter. It was 8-7 by the end of the first, and then um, things started to pick up. Augusta started to pull away in the second quarter, and that's when I thought they really could have kind of put Bracken in a bigger deficit than what it was, and they were going in up to half, up nine. And then uh, I thought that that lead could have been about 15 or 20 because Bracken, you could tell some frustration was settling in, maybe weren't getting some calls here or there. And uh, Augusta started really getting going there in the second quarter, and, you know, we're only up nine at half, so – Bracken really turned it on in the second half. Uh, at, at one point, they had a 31-3 to run, uh, stretching from about the four-minute mark of the third all the way till about the three- or four-minute mark of the fourth quarter. So essentially a full quarter of play, eight minutes, they won on a 31-3 run. Basically took all the wind out of Augusta's sails, and uh, the rest was history from there as they pulled away for, a, uh, I believe it was a 17- or 19-point victory. Um, well, to be honest, I was following your tweets because um, I call games on the NFHS network for Robertson County, and they had a home game that night. And um, I remember following it, and I kept thinking they were either misprints or, you know, tweets were off when you started talking about 35-7 runs, 31-3 runs. You know, I saw it go from nine-point nine Augusta lead at halftime to down like three or so going into the fourth. And um, But one thing Coach Reed talked with me about before the season was – playing man-to-man defense. Um, and I watched the game the next day on the NFHS network. Of course, you know, I already knew the results, but I wanted to see how a team goes on a 35-7 a to seven run in high school basketball, especially when you get the offensive weapons that Augusta has. Now, I'd be remiss if we didn't say that Riley Masson's banged up. Um, not going to use that as an excuse because I thought Bracken outworked, out-hustled, and outplayed Augusta the entire second half. But the thing that impressed me was Bracken's size, um, they were still able to guard Augusta man-to-man and create turnovers, and their turnovers lead to transition layups. And um, Bracken County, you know, even though we're not even to the All-A yet, Coach Reed's got his boys playing man-to-man defense really hard for 32 minutes, and it's kind of impressive to watch. Yeah, I mean, you hold Augusta to 40 points in their house. Uh, you, you won't see that the, the rest of the season. You just – you simply won't. I mean, the way they – their style of play and their efficiency on their home court, they're usually in the 70s and 80s on their home floor. So, and it, basically to 40, and their shooting percentages um, after that game, you know, and that's all – Testament to Bracken County and the way they locked down that 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 final, you know, especially that final 16 minutes of play. And the one thing I noticed was when I watched, and you may not notice it as much live because, you know, of course, on, you know, on replay, I can fast forward, rewind, stop, whatever. But it was kind of like the second half on offense. 
like Kaysen would handle the ball and like the others were like ball watching. Yeah. Looked like they were standing out on the perimeter. Now get don't get me wrong. Archibald, Snap, um, Kylan, those guys can hit the three point shot. But I just thought with Kylan's size and you know, of course Riley playing injured again with his size, it just looked like everybody was standing and watching Kaysen, re- waiting for Kaysen to kind of do all the work, which Kaysen's been known to do because he's such an efficient scorer who can score at all three levels. But um, it just seems like Bracken County took Augusta completely out of the game mentally. It's like yeah. it was just – they just kind of snatched it up and just ran with it. And um, I know these teams are going to play two more times this year. The next two will be at Bracken County with one of them having big implications. And, you know, you know as well as I do that that game on December 10th, I believe it was in Augusta, doesn't have a lot of meaning in the big scheme of things to the communities. It may mean a lot to the fa- to the players who are competing against friends. It may mean something, but that game in January at Bracken County, the LA tournament, that's the one that matters. Yeah. I'm going to add, add to that. Um, just the fact of maybe they weren't showing their hand of any sort, you know, maybe. And, that, and that's where I want to get your perspective on it, on the coaching side of it. Um, you know, and, and I think that's maybe one way of going about it because that's the first of possibly four meetings between the two teams. You know, they're going to obviously play in the all-A, which I think, you know, is, is one of the most important besides maybe if the draw gods finally pair Augusta and Bracken together for the first <laughs> time since I believe it would be 2014 or 15. So it just hasn't worked out that way. But, you know, that could be the first of four meetings because they'll also meet again later in the season in February also at Bracken County. But here's my thing. Let's, let's say, you know, you're facing a district opponent or, you know, let's say you're facing an all-A opponent and, you know, you got, you got them again in, in three or four weeks, whether it be in the all-A or whether it be in the district tournament. How do you approach that in terms of, all right, well, we still obviously want to win the game, but we obviously don't want to show maybe some of our bread and butter that we can go to in the clutch time or at any point in the game to go get a bucket or show some sort of defense that you might kind of want to roll out and, and, and surprise them. Well, this is a unique situation because you can play both sides of the coin. I can argue the point, you know, when the coach says, um, I didn't want to show them anything. And I've said that as a coach, but I usually only say it after I lose. I've heard you say it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, right. And you, but only seem to say it like once you lose, because in our mind, we're like, okay, we got to make, we got to justify this loss. Right. Uh, we got to justify. But when you're the better team, as I thought Augusta was going into that game, do you want to give a team that you're better than on your uh, the confidence to come in and beat you on your home floor when you know you're going to play them on their home floor in the LA tournament? Now, I'm not saying Augusta can't beat them because I obviously think they can. But I know Bracken County, you know, they like to have that fire lit. They like to have the, their, like, gasoline thrown on their fire. And when you do that, they probably play better than they do at any other time. So – you know, as a coach, I've said after I've lost, I don't want to show them anything. But then again, in the back of my mind, I think I thought, well, did I want to give them the confidence that that they know now that they can beat me? Not only yeah. can they beat me, they embarrassed me on my home floor. So you, you could also use that as a rallying point, obviously. You know, and hey. I think that's what Coach Henson's going to do. And Coach Henson's probably one of the best coaches in the region when it comes down to uh, game prep for one game and motivating his guys to get the most out of them for one game. Now, with the All-A tournament, you know, both of these teams going to have to show that they can play back-to-back games against a good team a good team because they're going to get the winner of Brossard or 
Nicholas County. And, you know, anytime you play a big game in a tournament, and this one been a rivalry game, so it means a little bit more, are you able to follow that up with another good performance? It's just like um, uh, Augusta, you know, just like with Fairview. You know, I felt like that was probably one of those hangover games. Um, I think if they played Fairview 10 more times, they'd win nine of them. Um, But um, now at the All-A tournament, it just means a little bit more. And I think, you know, I could play devil's advocate. Yeah, I've said, you know, I don't want to show my hand, but I think that was just an excuse for me after I lost to try to justify the loss to mean that I could prepare for a little bit better, maybe use it as motivation. Yeah, and that's completely fair. I just I was curious on on your perspective of it because you know we at me as a reporter I hear that a lot. You know where well they don't want to show their hand, they want to minimize things and and, and not show everything. But you know I was how many coaches curious. tell you that after a win? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean they'll they'll still say you know we tried to keep it basic and you know didn't want to show them much, but you know you know they'll, they'll say our guards our guys ex- executed what they needed to do and that's why we we won. So. And I, I don't, and I don't want it to sound like the coach Henson didn't go into that game wanting to win or prepare to win or anything like that, because I know how competitive coach Henson is. And I know he wanted to win that game, but I also know he can use that loss as motivation to help prepare for future contests. So, yeah, I mean, obviously Augusta never wants to lose to Bracken and vice versa. And that's just a, you know, it's a heated robbery and I, and I get it, but. You know, at some point, go win a game too. You know, right? Whether it be if you do have to break out a, a play that you maybe had in your back pocket, but you know, and, and Coach Henson also made a good point. They they played a lot the first three weeks. I mean, they've played. You know, I think after tomorrow when they play Tate's Creek, they'll have played eleven games in the first twenty-two games. Or eleven games in the first twenty-two days of the season, and that's that's a lot. And, and you know, as a coach, you know, you want to get in there and get your practice time in and get work against some things you're seeing in games that you didn't feel like your guys reacted to and, you know, just certain situations where, you know, you want to get that practice time in. And I think this, this Christmas break and holiday break will give them a time to do that. And, uh, you know, and I think, you know, from there, we'll just kind of move on, I think, you know, and we're going to be able to see those two again here in two weeks. Well, and the last thing I want to say about it before we move on is, uh, um, and one thing, and, you know, when Coach Henson says that, you know, once you get down in the second half and you know your offense is struggling like it was and you get down 15, 17, that's when you probably don't want to throw out anything. Well, I'm not going to switch to a one three one here or maybe a two two one press. This is when I'm just going to sit back with my half-court man. If we go on a run, we do. If not, we're not going to show them anything. But I don't want people who listen to think that I'm saying that Coach Henson didn't want to win that game because I know that's not true. Absolutely. No, I'm with you. All right, Campbell County, Bishop Rossert, you know, the battle of 27 there. I think these schools are just a few miles apart, probably a lot closer than Augusta and Bracken. And um, this is probably um, another one of those rivalries where these teams are going to play probably again later on in the district tournament, maybe with seeding and how that works. But uh, um, Campbell County wins this round here. Um, I saw the final score, but maybe you can tell me a little bit more. I don't. Was the final score closer than what it was? Did Campbell County pull out late? Um, but Campbell County didn't win round one against Bishop Brosser. Yeah, um, you know they they took them down sixty two forty three, and I I revert back to you know what I had said last week, where you know Brosser they they've been struggling on the offensive end, and um, you know it, it seemed like that continued to be to be the case. Um, you know they played a. Uh, a very tight game earlier in the week to Beachwood, um, who had, you know, shown some good results uh, within against 10th region opponents. Um, 
where they, you know, only lost 60 to 56. And two nights later, they beat Bellevue by 40, which I think, you know, a lot of teams have been doing that this year. And then, you know, they run into the Campbell game and it looks like, you know, they struggled offensively once again. I mean, they shot 37% from the floor, 22% from three. And, uh, you know, it looks like what kind of kept them in it was the rebounding battle where they had 37 rebounds. David Gavan had a big game with 18 points and 14 rebounds. But at the end of the day, I think Campbell County was just too much for them with, with their trio with, you know, Aiden Hamilton, uh, Eric Desdavy, and, and Jake Gross. I don't have their exact numbers. Um, the, the, the stats aren't exactly in yet, but um, it looks like Hamilton had a big night because he was able to clear uh, the thousand point marker in that game. And that's, you know, a great accomplishment for, for he, you know, he, he's only a junior, so he's still got another year to go. And, you know, I got a fun tidbit from a Campbell County alum the other day on Twitter that they've never had a 2000 point score. And, you know, that's obviously thinking way ahead, but, you know, he, he, he can definitely put himself uh, in that realm of possibility of, of, of hitting that mark. And um, I think that'd be a great accomplishment for, for that individual. Well, it's even more amazing how good of a basketball player he is. He's already signed to play baseball at Kentucky. So he's a Division One baseball player putting up huge numbers in basketball, which you know as well as I do. You've been around the game a long time. A lot of these great high school basketball players are multi-sport stars. Even at the collegiate level, you know, you see these guys that are – and even in the NFL, they'll show a guy, Russell Wilson to be exact, you know, these guys that play high-level sports and – um yeah, congrats to Aiden. That's a big accomplishment. But just think, you know, they're not even halfway through the season yet. He's probably going to score another 350, 400 points this year. He's got a real good shot at 2,000. And to be the first ever player at Campbell County, that's a huge accomplishment. But um, yeah, go back to Bishop adding, Rossett for – go yeah, ahead. Adding to that game, it looked like uh, Campbell got off to a real slow start. It was it was 7-5 to five after the first quarter. Uh, and then it seems like they finally got it going into halftime up 26-16. And then kept stretching that lead out. They were up by, you know, 17 after three. So it seemed like a slow start for them. And then finally, once they started cooking, it just seemed like things were clicking and they, they were able to pull away. Well, I know when I talked to Coach Code a couple times before the season that I talked to him on the preseason podcast I did, he knew and felt like offense could be a problem. Um, anytime you lose uh, Stephen Verst, Carson Shermer, I think they may have lost uh, even Gabe Smorey, who could hit a few shots from the perimeter. Um, that could add a little offensive punch. And he told me he felt like it would take a couple of weeks, especially with Govan coming out of football to get into basketball frame of mind and stuff. But, you know, he put up 18 and 14 against Des Davey and some other size from Campbell County. So he had a really good game. And um, But I still don't think Brossard's reached their full potential this year just because they're trying to replace so many pieces with some young people. And they have to replace probably, I think, point guards the most important position on the team. And Carson Shermer was a good one. And then replace somebody like Steven Verse, who could score 20, 25 a night and also get you seven to 10 rebounds. So, um, but, you know, those rivalry games are fun. And like I said, they probably mean a lot more to the communities and the players than the importance of the game. But um, I just think it makes for a good 10th region basketball. But um, yeah, I think, you know, and this is another one I'd like to get your perspective on. And I'm sure the viewers, you know, are curious too. Or, you know, they're playing in two Christmas tournaments over the next two weeks. You know, they get they get three games at Bellevue and then three at Henry County in the Henry County Invitational. So, you know, it, it seems like, you know, this year um, with those tournaments back, I know last year, you know, you guys weren't fortunate enough to have those with the season getting pushed all the way back to January. You know, those tournaments, I feel like those are some real good 
times to be able to find yourself and, and find your team. And, you know, a lot of those tournaments are, you know, maybe it, it's an overnight trip or at least it's a, you know, a, an hour or two bus ride each day going to your game. And it, it seems like a real good opportunity for your team to come together, um, you know, whether it be wins or losses, but also work on some things um, when guys are maybe having higher legs on the second and third day, work on your rotations and depth and, you know, I think that's a good time. And, and there's a lot of teams that are doing that in the 10th the next couple of weeks where they've got, you know, a holiday tournament or classic over, over, over the next, you know, two weeks. Well, and that's something that it's kind of coach specific. Um, I, I've done it before. I usually did it when I had teams who were a little bit younger. And when I had teams who I felt like could compete in the LA, I wanted them to get used to playing on back-to-back days, short rest, um, cause if you, if we were going to win the all a and maybe make a run in the all a state, he was going to have to play maybe an evening game on say Monday night, then maybe a morning game on Tuesday. So you kind of want to try to get them in that front frame of mind, because ultimately your goal is to win the all a for an all a school, like, you know, Robertson, when I coached, um, we wanted to win the all a, so we wanted to be able to play on those back-to-back days and kind of get them in that frame of mind that, Hey, yeah, I know you're tired. I know, you know, you gave me all everything you had, but you got to get rest. You got to get your bodies right. And we got to be ready to go the next day. And, and coach code, I talked to him about that as well in the podcast. And he mentioned that um, the only reason he was doing it was because trying to get his young guys more games on back-to-back days to try to get them ready for an all a run, because, you know, I think he feels like he's got a good opportunity and um, he wanted to get as many games in before the all a, so he could kind of get, you know, these young players, the game experience they need. And um, it's just, I, I'll be honest with you, um, a lot of times over Christmas break, that was the time that I got my girls, my daughters. So I didn't like to play a pre and a post because I cut into time with my family. So I'd either, if I played in a pre-tournament, then I had my kids post-Christmas. If I played in a post-Christmas tournament, I had them pre-Christmas, which, you know, somebody may look at that and say it was selfish of me as a coach. But uh, that family time with my girls over Christmas break was ultimately which kept me stress-free and, you know, able to do some of the things I did because we need that time as well. And I know a lot of coaches are like that with me. But um, let's go to um, Mason County this week. Uh, I know they got the – Pike County or Pikeville Invitational coming up over break, but uh, I think they continue to get better, Evan. I really think with their team, Phillip barely continues to impress me. Um, I think um, KG Walton is way above my expectations of what I had. I know um, Nate Mitchell's just now probably going full strength. I know the first couple games back, he looked like he was a little timid at times. And um, and then Terrell Henry's making a case to me, to be, you know, best player in the 10th region. Um, I know he's got competition. I'm not saying that, you know, he's the best player because obviously I'm partial to Justin Becker who's putting up huge numbers. And um, I know Clark County has a few kids who has a say in that as well. But um, 44 points, my goodness, you know, he's, he's special. And I know you probably know him a little bit better than me and know what kind of kid he is. But everything I hear about him is he's a better kid than he is basketball player. And that's – that's special. I mean, Terrell's one of my favorite guys to interview. You know, he gives me he gives me great answers, and you just you get taken aback sometimes on how well he responds to questions. And it, it, for high school kids, it's a, it's a dime a dozen. You just never know, you know, what what kids are going to say, and you know how nervous they might be. But every time he's always calm and composed. He praises his teammates always, and is just always positive. You know, and he, he just seems like a great kid to be around. 
Um, you know, he, he never seems like he's in trouble of any sorts. Uh, you never hear or see of any academic or uh, issues, you know, on the team or with the team with him. And I know he's always, you know, when they are in garbage time and, you know, maybe he's on the bench and cheering on, you know, the 13th, 14th, 15th guy off the bench. He's still up there cheering for those guys, you know, with a minute to go while they're up 35. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to get those opportunities this year, the way they play. And, uh, you know, with, with them, um, I got to see them play Tuesday against Holmes. Uh, uh, what was so impressive about that is they didn't really play all that great for, for, for the first three quarters. They had a good handful of inter, or a good handful of turnovers. Um, you know, they, they, they uh, just kind of had, I think it was like 18 turnovers through three quarters of play. But yet, here they were. They still had 82 points uh, after three quarters of play. And, you know, Holmes' style, I think, fit what they wanted to do, you know, getting basically into a track meet. And it looks like, you know, they followed up again on Friday and what was another track meet and taking down Scott, 88 to 77. And, you know, you talk about Terrell and his 44 points. The way he did it, I think, was so impressive, too. He hit 18 of his 20 shots from the field. I mean, he shot 90%. You get 44 on 20 shots, you're doing something really, really good. So, that, that's what impressed me the most. He had also six rebounds, four assists, like three steals. So, um, you know, I don't know if he drove the bus back, but, uh, you know, he did quite a bit that game. <laughs> well, I thought something was funny on Twitter I saw. And, of course, you know, I follow a lot of these kids because, you know, they're just – they're good kids and they're funny. But I think Grant Owens put something on Twitter that uh, Terrell and Mason Butler combined for 44 against Scott. <laughs> and I kind of I kind of got to chuckle at that because that means Mason didn't score any. But, I mean, Mason being a good sport probably thought that was funny too. But, uh, yeah. you know, we talked about just um, they're going to the Pikeville Invitational where they're going to play East Ridge in the first round. And I don't know anything about East Ridge, but I tried to do research, and they've not played a Kentucky school yet. Everybody yeah, here, I'll, plays. I'll, I'll stop you on that real quick with them. I'll just give you a brief outlook. I mean, just – how well they, they, they might be of an opponent. Uh, Coach Elijah Justice, when I interviewed him after the Pikeville game, when they beat uh, Mason County, he thought that East Ridge would be one of their biggest challenges to win the 15th region. So he thinks highly of them. So I imagine that's going to be a really good matchup tomorrow. But like you said, they hadn't played a team in Kentucky. So it, it's kind of hard to get a gauge of, of where they are um, as a team at, at this point in the season. And I think a lot of that game will be decided by, does East Ridge play the style that Mason County plays? Are they going to play a slowdown type style where they're going to limit Mason County's possessions? I'll be honest with you. I've, I've not seen many teams who will want to play Mason County style to be able to beat Mason County at it. Yeah, you um, got to have really good guards um, if you want to play that style, not turn it over. And you got to have like a true post or a couple guys down low that are going to go bang on the glass and, you know, reduce those transition opportunities uh, to get second chance points and extra possessions to, to maybe grind the game out. Well, speaking of, you know, Terrell Henry and how dominant of a player he's been in the 10th, um, allow me to introduce Coach Aaron Massey of the Robertson County Black Devils, along with uh, Justin Becker. Justin, currently the back-to-back 10th region player of the year. I strongly feel like Justin should be a candidate for Mr. Basketball. I hope that uh, people will give him the credit he deserves, regardless of the school he plays at. Um, Coming off three straight 40, 40 or more point performances, which is video game numbers to me. I can't imagine scoring 40 points in one game, let alone three straight. And uh, also becoming the all-time leading scorer in Robertson County history, which is a big deal um, considering uh, 
the company he's in and that scoring list. There's been a lot of great players come from Deming and Robertson County. And, and to have Justin's name at the top is special because, you know, you can attest to how good of a kid Terrell Henry is. I can tell you how good of a kid Justin Becker is. And as great as a ball player Justin Becker is, he's even a better uh, kid in the classroom just in the school community and culture. I mean, I've seen him pick up preschool kids and hug them and to carry them to their classrooms. And that just speaks volumes to me that um, when you're a great athlete, you know, and a role model, but you're even a better role model within the community. So coach Massey and Justin appreciate you guys coming on and uh, coach big week this week, three straight wins. I know I've talked to you about them and, but coming into the week after missing the two games on Saturday due to a COVID scare that, um, got straightened out. Um, just to bounce back, keep your kids mentally focused, and uh, to, to win three straight games this week. Congratulations on a big week. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having us on. We appreciate it. And absolutely, it was a great week. Uh, you know, we faced some adversity the week before on uh, Friday morning about uh, 10 o'clock, 10.30. We realized we had to cancel all three games the previous week, and uh, we didn't even practice. And uh, so we had about four down days. And we finally got back in the gym on Monday and then uh, headed into our game on Tuesday night against a, uh, a well-coached and a, a, a well-executing team in Bluegrass United and was able to uh, come out with a victory and then uh, come back uh, Friday night with uh, probably the most important game. Well, not probably. It was the most important game of the week because it was a district-seeded game with Nicholas County. And uh, the guy right here to my side, uh, I mean, it was more like a football game. Time we got back to the locker room, he had blood on his jersey, uh, Pulaski had a ripped jersey and double teamed the whole night, puts up 45 points, 21 rebounds. And then uh, we turn around and travel to Round County less than 12 hours later and uh, play a nice uh, Fairview team. And the same thing uh, for Justin that day, double teamed the entire game. Has another 45 and 12 days. So uh, a great week uh, for our team going 3-0 uh, and for the week, uh, go to 5-2 and on the season. And uh, a great individual week for this young man right here beside me. And uh, everything that he earns and all the recognition that he gets, he, it's greatly to, well deserved for him. Justin, when they, uh, you know, when, when, a, when you get a big, uh, you know, achievement, the town recognizes you and whatnot, they giving you a key to the city yet? <laughs> I, I'm not sure it's possible to get a key to the city, but <laughs> I've had one, I've had one to the gym for a while. So I'll take that as a, there you That's go. Like, That's the capital amount, all of it, I bet. So. Yeah, I guess it is. So I guess you're right. <laughs> Man, what, uh, you know, was there anything in particular this week that you noticed in your game that kind of brought you to the next level? Was it kind of just a matter of I got to keep staying even more attack mode, attack mode, or, you know, just uh, kind of the flow went in those those three games? I had to uh, crash the boards more because when you're getting double teamed, you really can't – you can't get the balls much, you know, so – when someone shoots a ball, I got to get on the glass. And that's where most of my points came from was getting on the glass. But other than that, you know, our team grew as this week. So, I mean, overall, we're looking better than we did, you know, the first week. So uh, let me jump in here for a minute, Evan, because I was able to watch the two home games between Bluegrass United and uh, Nicholas County. And um, what was impressive about it is, you know, you know Justin's ability to step out in the perimeter and knock down the shot um, with double, triple team. And um, Justin grew a lot this week as a player. 
I saw him go to the paint. He didn't drift out to the perimeter because, like he said, he couldn't get it. But the best offense this week was Justin's ability to offensive rebound. And it's kind of like people feel like Justin gets rebounds because he's bigger. That's not the case. It's an art. It's a skill. You watch him go to work when the shot goes up. He knows where the ball's coming off the rim. He goes, gets in position. He gets it, and he lays it in and one or, you know, without. But um, his ability to put up 45, and I don't know about against Fairview, Coach, but I know against – Bluegrass United and Nicholas County, I think maybe only combined three or four threes and 90 some points. And Justin's going to continue to get 40 some points because not only is he getting a lot in the paint, but he's also getting to the free throw line a lot. And you know, in order to score a lot of points, you got to get to the free throw line. So um, his performance this week, you know, is probably one of the best three game performances that I remember, you know, as a, as a fan, as a coach, you know, as a player, just putting up over 130 points in three games. It's just remarkable. Yeah, and Coach, coach, one of the things – I'm sorry, Evan. One of the things I'll throw in there, too, is, uh, you know, for the people who hadn't seen Justin play and they're seeing these points going up 42, 44, 45, it's not on 45 or 50 shots a game. I mean, he's shooting at a 63% clip. 68% 68% from two-point range, 41% from three-point range. So, And the thing is, he's not coming down and dribbling, dribble, 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 and shooting. He's getting it through the offense. And, of course, you know, our guys look to him, but he, he's getting it through the offense. It's not like he's just coming down and trying to force or create. And uh, so, you know, if, if he was one of those kids that was getting 40 or 50 shots a game, golly, you know, who knows what he would be putting up. But he, he's patient. He gets it through the offense. And uh, – I think it's what makes it uh, these these performances so much more impressive. Yeah, and coach, I was going to add to that just to be able to do it on on back to back nights, like you said, you know, Friday night, a football type game, a physical game with Nicholas County, who you know they're a physical team anytime right. you face them because of their background and their hard nose, and you know a lot of those kids play football too. So, to, and and then I think bouncing back on that Saturday and, and getting a win that against a team that was playing with a lot of confidence that had just beat Augusta the night before. I mean, you know what Augusta is capable of. You saw in the first game of the season. Would you call that Fairview win one of your guys? Would you call it maybe your best win of the season so far, based off what you had to do the night before? And then, like you said, twelve hours later, you go to a neutral site. There's probably maybe fifty, a hundred people in the crowd, and you got to get your guys up back again that quickly. Yeah, so I'd say it would be, uh, you know, of course, you know, we, we were up and emotional for the Nicholas County game because we knew we needed to get a, a foot up in the seating and then uh, to turn around and come back to get that Fairview win. I would have to say that that was the best win thus far. And, Evan, what I've seen so far in, in this week is the growth of all of our guys because, at the, you know, when we played Augusta two weeks ago, for four of the five starters, that was pretty much their first varsity experience. And so now that they're getting that varsity experience, uh, excluding Pulaski, Josh started last year, but for the other guys, you know, now I think the game is starting to slow down a little bit for them. They're able to, to react to what's happening in the situations and they're able to keep their composure somewhat. We're still working on that. But uh, the growth that I've seen just in the past two weeks, uh, you know, I told you early on, I said, you know, if teams want to get us, go ahead and get us now because when it comes to February, late January, February, uh, we're going to be a team that's going to be hard to deal with. Uh, I, I still think we got a lot of growth. We got a lot of growing to do, but uh, where we are right now, we're ahead of schedule, I think. But yeah, I would have to say that the Fairview game was, as of right now, was a uh, the biggest win just from how we had to bounce back. And coach, let me say too that um, the one thing that I think's made your team 
grow is the growth of Justin Becker. And what I mean by that is everybody knows Justin's ability on the offensive end. Um, probably one of the most gifted offensive kids that I've seen play the game of basketball. But um, I watched him on Friday night guard um, Wyatt Clark man-to-man, who I think Wyatt Clark is one of the more underrated players in the region. He's averaging 24 points a game. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He, um, he had – uh, several buckets there in a row. You switch Justin to guard him, and Justin's size, Justin's ability to guard him on the perimeter caused Wyatt Clark to miss probably six, seven, eight shots in a row, and then get down to the fourth quarter. His legs are tired where Justin's running him all over. But even on the offensive end, I think what's caused your other players to grow is Justin's confidence and belief in them. Justin throws the ball well to Brady. He passes well to Carson. He gets. He knows how to get Josh involved. He knows how to hit Noah and Hunter when four people are guarding him because they feel like they can leave those guys open because they know their only chance to stop Justin is to put three or four, three or four defenders on him. So um, Justin's grown in so many ways. And I said after his junior year, I told you, I said, I don't think he can get much better. He's already as good as I think I've ever seen a kid or ever coached a kid, I don't know if he can get much better. Well, he's proved to be a liar out of me because he's twice the player this year as he was last year. And you know well, how good he was last year. Right. And, Coach, you know, like we're saying, where he's putting up 38.3 points a game, and normally when you got the player that's putting up points like that, you're trying to rest him on the defensive end. Uh, that's not the case with Justin. I mean, uh, like I said, he guarded uh, Clark. And uh, if people haven't seen the Clark kid from Nicholas County play, when they do get to see him, they're gonna they're gonna be uh, in for a nice surprise if the kid can play. Really nice player. And then we turn around on uh, when we played Fairview, the Manning kid averaging twenty five a game. Justin was right back on him the next day. So you know Justin can't take off on the defensive end. He's he's working every possession on defense because he's usually guarding the best player on their team. And then he's come down being double, triple team, and uh, putting up the numbers like he has. So you know. Uh, he just – I hope a lot of people get, were able to get out to see us play this season just to see the, the talent that he has and, uh, you know, the recognition that uh, hopefully he can get throughout the state. Coach, you read my mind. That's a perfect lead-in to my next question because, you know, your next opponent Tuesday, Holy Cross Covington. You know, they got a kid that is absolutely lightening it up as well and Jacob Meyer. Um, I know he's picked up some Division One interests. Through five games, this isn't counting the game against Ryle on a Saturday night where the team scored 87. So I imagine he had a big night. But Jacob Myers averaging 37 a night through, through his first five games. That's a game you guys get to play Tuesday. Uh, first, Justin, did you ever get to face him? Like, I know you play a lot of AAU. Did you ever get to see him on the circuit or anything? Um, he, when he played with Midwest last year, he was on the uh, 16U team. Mm-hmm. And we met, we met a few times. I think we uh, – I watched him in Indianapolis, and then we watched him down there in uh, Lexington sometimes. But other than that, I played with him my 15-year year. No, I played with him my 16-year, and uh, we was teammates for that full summer. But other than that, he's nothing. So when you guys um, – when you get to face kids like that, maybe either out of region that are elite um, or getting Division One offers – how do you approach that game mentally, um, knowing that you're going up against a kid like that? And you, it, I mean, how do you kind of approach that? Just tell me a little bit about that. Um, you approach it like any other game. You know, we're, we're going in every game kind of as the underdog because, you know, people think that we're not going to go in and, you know, we're going to go in and get beat by 20, but we got to go in with uh, our heads up and we're, we got to act like we're going to win every game and uh, we just got to play. Uh, 
good defense on Tuesday, and uh, we got to try to contain him to as you know low as possible. But you know, at the end of the day, we got to play our game and uh, just take it one day at a time. Coach, how we, much are you looking forward to that game? That should be a good one. Well, yeah, we uh, we played uh, Covington Holy or yeah Covington Holy Cross over in that Montgomery County tournament a couple of years ago in that Gateway Holiday Classic, and I think. Meyer may have been a freshman or sophomore. Um, okay. Then uh, he's a nice player. He really is. Uh, um, so um, th- that should be a good game for Robertson County. I think just just simply because the confidence they're going in on. But I know Coach Massey, and Coach Massey knows too that um, the big picture is not that game on. You know, the next game. I'm not sure when he plays. I don't know if he plays pre. When is that game, Coach? Uh, that's actually two. We go uh, play them Tuesday, Bellevue Wednesday, and then uh, it's up for grabs who we play on Thursday. So, but you know, you know as well as I do that all these games leading up to the All A's just like practice to get you better. You want to peak at that time, and um, I definitely think you're trending in the right direction. But uh, Justin, just um, you know, you signed with Thomas Moore, which I know how important it was for you to stay close to home. I know how important it was for you to uh, go somewhere where you can play right away. Um, but with Coach Ray, you know, Thomas Moore's been a real successful program. They're getting ready to move to D2. Um, what has Coach Ray told you he wants you to focus on this high school basketball season? Or what part of your game do you think he wants you to focus on to where it makes your transition easier to Thomas Moore? Well, I mean, he wants me to have a good senior year. He don't want me to be thinking about, you know, coming up to Thomas Moore. He wants me to enjoy my senior year. Um, um because it goes – it's short, and uh, he just wants me to focus, like, getting better in my game in every way, you know, three-point, you know, getting in the paint, mid-range, you know, uh, working out, staying in shape and stuff like that. So, I mean. Co- Coach, I'll, I'll jump in on that, too. When uh, Justin signed and Coach Ray came down to school that day, uh, took him around, showed him the facilities and stuff, and I, I asked Coach Ray, I said, you know, what are some things you want us to work with for Justin to get ready for next year? And, I was really – I've been impressed with Coach Ray and the Thomas Moore program from the, the, the get-go, and he looked at me and just without uh, hesitation, he says, you don't worry about that. He said, you do what you all got to do to win ball games." He said, you do what's going to make your program successful. And he said, Justin's where he needs to be. And he said, we will uh, – when we get him, he said, the things we need to work with, we'll get that when he's here. But he said, you worry about your program and, and doing what you all need to do to be successful. So, you know, that, that's really impressive coming from uh, Coach Ray and – like I said, I can't say enough good things about him and uh, his staff and how they've uh, treated Justin and myself. Coach, real quick, and I'll let Evan ask one more if he wants after this. But And I think a lot of – you know, we talked about preseason. We've talked all summer. Um, there couldn't be a better person leading the Robertson County program, and you know I mean that. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of your success is hinged on Justin's teammates. We knew Justin was going to get 35-40 a lot of nights, but we both said that in order for you to win win some games, your team had to get up in the 60s and 70s. Talk about just the improvement of Brady, you know, the offensive production that Josh is bringing, how Carson has improved. And then I feel like you've gotten really good production out of Noah Bustle and Hunter Earlywine while Jacob Burden's injured. So just talk about his supporting cast and how important they've been. Well, I'll start out, you know, uh, right at the right before the season started. You know, we, we took a, a, a tough blow with Jacob Burden tearing his MCL. Uh, 
I've been uh, talking to Jacob, and he's been working hard in rehab, and it looks like uh, he's hoping to be released uh, on Tuesday. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, we, were, we already knew we were going to be short on the bench. And then once Jacob went down, it just made things that much worse. But uh, uh, coming off the bench, Hunter Earlywine, who had no varsity experience uh, coming into this year, uh, he's growing each and every game. And just uh, he, he's taking baby steps. And he's come in, provided good minutes. The first few games, he may be in three or four, but like at Nicholas or with the Nicholas Kane game, he was in for 20 minutes and gave us a good spark. Noah Bussell has uh, – I, I can't ask for anything more from Noah. Noah uh, plays good defense. Uh, he just – he's quick. He's active. He's one of those uh, – he, he's pesky on the defensive end. You know how those guys were you used to when you played. Uh, the guys that uh, – May not have been the best player on the floor, but they just made things uh, a problem for you on the offensive end, and that's what Noah does. And uh, you know we got to get Noah working a little more, putting them shots in uh, down on the on the block. But uh, he's uh, progressed nicely. And then you come along with uh, Joshua Plosky, who has uh, we knew Joshua could shoot, we knew he could score, and uh, this year Joshua's showing it. He's a, almost a fifty percent shooter from three point line this year, and uh, that's helping take some pressure off Justin when Joshua starts hitting those. You know, they got to start guarding him. And uh, Carson Gay, uh, he's been doing a good job. He's been uh, – he had been putting up a lot of points, but I can't uh, uh, brag on him enough on his floor game. He's uh, been getting us in the offense, getting the sets going, uh, dishing out the ball, getting assists, steals, and uh, even getting some rebounds. And uh, he's just been doing a good job orchestrating the offense. And then Brady Boyd, uh, just being really proud of Brady this year. Brady has got uh, some of the softest hands and nicest touch around the basket. And uh, we worked all summer and through the uh, offseason just uh, working on him, working on hook shots and uh, little floaters in the paint. And uh, they're starting to pay off. And uh, Brady's got a, a good eye uh, for uh, the passing. He made a couple of passes to Justin against Fairview the other day. And I honestly don't know how the passes got through. But uh, he sees the floor well. He's uh, – He's got a high basketball IQ. Uh, that's one of the things that I'm really impressed with this team. We got a team that's got a high basketball IQ, Josh Pulaski. I call him my coach on the floor. Pulaski, he, he can pick out stuff. Justin uh, picks out stuff. Uh, it's just uh, the growth that I've seen in those guys is, uh, like I said earlier, we're further along than what I expected at this time. And I still think we've, we've got a lot of little things, and I think they probably – Get wore out listening to me on just a lot of little things that we got to keep uh, keep harping on, because once we get those things shored up, uh, I, I still don't think we played our best basketball yet, and uh, that's uh, it, it's coming. And uh, like you said, right now we're taking one game at a time, and everything right now is leading up to the all A, and uh, we feel like we've got a good shot. We know uh, uh, nothing's given to us uh, when we go up to we got to go to Calvary the first round. Uh, we, you know, we drew that bad pill, so we got to go to Calvary. And it's never easy playing there on their floor. But, uh, you know, right now, everything we're doing is preparing for that game uh, to get to there. And then uh, when we get in the LA, hopefully uh, we can make a run in that run there and, uh, you know, see what happens. Coach, one last one. Uh, I, I imagine we'll let you get you going after that. You know, you got three games Tuesday through Thursday. You get about a 10 day break after that. I mean, what do you uh, maybe plan to do with the team or, you know, the holidays, um, you know, anything in, in specific maybe to get the team together when you have that week off other than maybe outside of a practice setting or, you know, something fun or something like that? Uh, well, I'll be honest. We haven't really talked a lot about that right now. Uh, <laughs> we're working on these uh, three days here coming up. And then uh, 
go give them a couple of days, let them, you know, step back and be with their family and uh, during the holiday season. And then uh, we'll get back in the gym the next week. And, you know, who knows what happens. We're, but we will be doing something as a team. We'll, we'll uh, get together. And uh, it's one thing, these boys are close-knit. They do have a strong bond. And I think it's what uh, leads to success on the floor. So uh, we will do – we'll plan to do some stuff outside the gym. But uh, I'm looking forward to that week there leading in uh, – to uh, the first of the year just to uh, kind of uh, get back in the gym, just work on a lot of uh, – we'll do a lot of individual works and fundamentals and uh, uh, start doing a lot of game prep to get ready for the All-A. Awesome. Well, Coach, Justin, appreciate you guys taking time on a Sunday evening to uh, talk with us. Uh, you know I'm your guys' biggest supporter. I uh, wish you the best of luck this week and uh, go bring home the Swagger Classic Championship. I know it won't mean as much – as the itty bitty trees and trends, but it's probably uh, second on the list. So, uh, Coach, best of luck, Justin, best of luck, and uh, I can't wait to watch you guys again. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you all. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. How about those Christmas names, man? <laughs> oh man, these, some of these Christmas tournaments, man, you'd be surprised. And I could tell you a good story about this. Uh, Aaron knows we were on the bus going down to the itty bitty trees and trans, and that's in Benton. You know, that's all the way down yeah, there. That's hike. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're and, almost basically in Missouri at that right. point. Right. <laughs> and we're on the way down there. We're probably three hours into our trip, and I, I my phone dings. I get this. I, hold on. I get this email. Yeah, Elizabeth Town. So okay. I get this email, and I look at it. I'm like, oh, damn. Aaron's like, what? I was like, the guy that's hosted this tournament just resigned on the spot effective immediately. He says the tournament's still going to go, but he's out. He's done. And I and I sit there immediately thought, here we are three hours in, and if this tournament gets canceled, I'm going to be ticked. But the guy resigned on the spot. I don't know what happened. We went down there and won the tournament, and I'll never forget the Dawson Springs coach was raising Kane, wanting to know why all the big schools were invited down there to win that tournament. I don't think he was aware that we had about 105 kids walking our halls. So, but um, Kitty Trees and Trends, what a name! I mean, I but, I, I just say because I I have to type a lot of these out because I did a story just today going in tomorrow's uh, e edition for just a shameless plug there, um, but it'll also be online. Um, you know, just each tournament, you know, you you you've got to type out, and there's like three three sponsor names, and then you got the actual name. It's just it's funny because it, it, well, I'll, I'm going to interrupt for just a second, but Patrick yeah. could do it. He could probably do a two or three hour podcast just on that trip. <laughs> I bet. I bet he could. I'm sure yeah. he could. <laughs> you should just join up with Irvine and do basketball stories. Don Irvine. Oh. <laughs> you got to get him on. Have you had him yet? You did. Yeah. Have him, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, well, I had him talk about the 93 Augusta girls when he coached them. They won the district tournament. But uh, hey, all right, let's finish up here, Evan. Um, want to thank on, go uh, ahead. We, we got to talk about GRC, don't we? Yeah, I was going to say, let's finish up here. Um, first, last thing, thank you to Coach Massey and Justin um, for coming on. But, uh, yeah, a couple things here. After we talk about GRC, I want to just talk about uh, some of the individual guys and some of the accomplishments. We've had some 10th region players who signed this week and some who had some milestones. But, uh, yeah, GRC, uh, one thing, it's probably, and you would know this, other than the Marshall County Hoop Fest, I'd say the king of the bluegrass is probably one of the more prestigious tournaments. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't it invite only? Yeah. 
That and, uh, you know, the one in Le at LexCast is usually pretty good. But I, I guess that one's after the uh, Christmas break this year. Or it might be this week. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. But, yeah, King of the Bluegrass. Only thing I don't like about it is – and I get you want to bring in high-profile teams, but just, I guess, bringing teams in from out of state. I mean, I, I, to me, I don't know. I wouldn't want a team from out of state winning King of the Bluegrass because, I mean, it, it just – a double negative, it seems. Well, I didn't think of that, and you're right. Um, if you're going to call it King of the Bluegrass, let's find out who the King of the Bluegrass is. I don't want it to be Dorman High, the number one team out of South Carolina who's ranked top fish, top 50 nationally. But uh, GRC started off down there with probably one of the more one of the tougher opponents in the field in Lake Highland Prep out of Florida. They're 22 or ranked 22nd nationally, I should say. Um, but GRC beat them. I don't have the score, but I think it was like 69-50 or something, 67-50. Yeah, they beat him pretty handily. I think it was 64-50. Let me make sure. 64-50, that sounds right. Uh, no, 76-60, my bad. 76-60. And yeah. um, But Jerome Morton had 30-9. and nine. Yeah, he, he caught a body too, apparently. He, he had a nice little nasty left-handed dunk down the lane. But, uh, I mean, he's a Division One basketball player. He's going to do that. He and you know, and not only that, uh, Drone is also one of those guys who I've seen take a step up this year in his level of play. You know, I felt like at times last year when I watched him, he was kind of like a silent assassin. You know, I, I felt like I'd watch him and I wouldn't even know he was on the floor for four or five minutes, and then he'd have a stretch to where he would just, you know, go at your throat. You know, just, you know, he's just a great player, but I feel like his game has stepped up to a higher level and it may be because he's on a really good team and he's probably not getting double triple teamed every night you yeah. can't double triple team jerome when you got tanner walton aiden sloan sam Parrish, um trent, trent edwards. edwards i mean i mean <laughs> you could bring you could talk about sammy sammy uh gonzalez is it gonzalez for them sammy hernandez hernandez sammy hernandez that kid could start for most other 10th region teams yeah I you mean, know they're loaded they're deep and um, I'm, I'm sure playing in the King of the Bluegrass, that's just only going to make their team better. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they beat uh, a nationally ranked team yesterday. Uh, today they lost by two to Dorman, South Carolina, who, like you said, is the number one team out of South Carolina. I believe they had two Division One players. One was going to, like, South Carolina upstate. Another guy was, like, a 6'10 wing um, that I believe had offers but hadn't committed yet. So – you know, you, you you know the caliber of opponent they had today. And, um, you know, so, I mean, they get two games against top 50 teams in the country and, and hold their own, win one, lose one. To me, that cements themselves as a as an easy top five in the state and, and is in the discussion as, as one of the top teams um, in the state right now. And, um, honestly, uh, Josh Cook probably needed this tournament for his team to be challenged. Um and I'm not knocking any schools, but I, I think Harrison County is a top four team in our region. And, um, you know, on the next night or whatever, they Harrison County goes to Henry Clay and only loses by 11 at Henry Clay. And, that you know, there's no such thing as a good loss, but that's one of those losses you can learn from. And that same Harrison County team gets 30-pieced by Clark. Um, and I know Clark and Mason don't play in the regular season, but I honestly don't know a team – left on their schedule, that can challenge them, which I don't know their whole schedule game by game, but they're not going to get challenged in the 10th, yeah. in my opinion. So they probably needed the king of the bluegrass to be challenged. 
Yeah, and looks like they're playing at LexCast next week and also in their holiday classic. So, well, if you go down there for a game, let me know. I'll ride along. If you get there's something down there you want to cover or whatever, that might be a good one to go watch. Yeah. Um, I think I, I don't know. I'll have to see just because of the MCIT. That'll be at Mason County. So, yeah, which I, you know, that's another thing I wrote down about the MCIT. And um, I figured we talk about that next week because we'll get another episode in before that. But, uh, yeah. um, you got GRC schedule pulled up, or are there any yeah, teams? I, do. I mean, basically, you know, the other challenges that they'll see. I mean, they play Great Crossing. Um, they play uh, Dunbar. Uh, outside of that, you know, Tate's Creek might give them a challenge. Um, Bryan Station. They play a lot of 11th region teams. Heck, they might as well be in the 11th region, uh, geographically based. Um, but uh, other than that, yeah, I mean, there, there's not much on there. I don't think that's going to really, um, you know, put them really – to a full test. I mean, yeah, there's traditional names like Knox Central, Bardstown, Scott County, but I don't know if those teams are as strong as they've been in, in, in prior Well, years. I think Knox Central has won the 13th two years in a row, and they do have that Javante Turner that played with uh, Griffin Elite, and he was on Justice Team this summer. I think he's he's a really nice player. He was the one that got voted the best player in the 13th over Reed Shepard. So, um, yeah. he is a nice player. Um, right. right. So, um, yeah, GRC, I mean, kudos to them for their Christmas schedule. It looks like they're playing in high-profile tournaments, which they should. I mean, they got high-profile talent. So, um, it'll be curious to see how they do in the rest of the King of Bluegrass as well as the, uh, did you say the LexCath tournament after Christmas? Yeah, it looks like they're playing in the LexCath. They they changed the name. It used to be, I think, the traditional bank or something. I thought it was Republican Bank Classic. Yeah, now it's because uh, we played in that one year, and I know what kind of talents up there. Yeah, it, it changed sponsor names. It looks looks like this year it's called the White Greer and Maggard Holiday Classic, and it's at Lexcath December twenty seventh through 29th. It doesn't have their opponent listed. It says TBA. So well, I'll give a shout out to White McGreer or whatever White. What is it, White? White, Greer, and Maggard. That sounds like White, Greer, and Maggard Orthodontics. They're ahead of themselves on these NIL deals. They're putting out some great, great commercials and tweets with Reed Shepard. They're absolutely funny. If you've not seen them, I suggest you go follow White, Greer, and uh, whoever Orthodontics on Twitter, Maggard <laughs> Orthodontics on Twitter, because th- there's some funny stuff. But um, before um, I ended here, uh, just some individual perform- things that I feel like I need to recognize that maybe. Um, that happened this week. I'm, I'm late on the case in Henson surpassing 1500 point. I think he did it the week before against Paris, but congratulations to Kaysen, um, 1500 points. And he's got a shot at 2000, um, as well. I know Aiden Sloan committed with Delta state, but he actually signed this week on the 15th. Um, so congrats to Aiden Sloan. He's another one of those point guards for GRC that just, he can impact the game in so many ways and doesn't even have to score. Um, Justin, we talked about, he became the all-time league scorer this week as well as having three straight 40-plus games. Uh, we mentioned Aiden Hamilton in the 1,000-point plateau at Campbell, and you threw me for a loop when you said he could be the first-ever potential 2,000-point scorer at Campbell County. Um, Terrell Henry, 44 points on 18 of 20 shooting, which is – and here's the thing. I remember saying against Pikeville about Terrell Henry. He's kind of undersized, but – he shoots tough shots, and he makes tough shots. His shots aren't wide open. He makes contested shots look easy, and I think that's just um, kind of a tribute to what kind of player he is. He's just, he's phenomenal. 
Yeah, it's body control. You know, I, I, I mentioned in a tweet during a highlight during the game this week, he literally was on a transition fast break, pulls up six, eight feet from the bucket, goes straight up and down, avoids any sort of charge, and it, two points for him. So his body control and able – I think being left-handed helps him too a little bit just because of how he can kind of contort his body. And, you know, teams are used to guarding right-handed players where he's a lefty and just has really good body control in the paint and just a nice touch around the basket. So that that helps put up his point forward. Do you know of any other individual – I mean, I, I know there's probably tons we're missing, but any milestones or anything that maybe I missed or – uh, no milestones. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to, to Caden Reed. He had a big night, um, you know, Saturday night against Lloyd Memorial. They did lose 62-55, but. But you know, Lloyd's he, tough. Yeah, I mean, they've got like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and uh, Caden had 27 and 10, and that's 10 rebounds, and he's like a 5'9 guard. So. Well, Caden also had 27 maybe one day this week where they beat maybe one at Ludlow, which Ludlow's yeah. another ninth region team that's had success against 10th region teams. And we probably should mention the fact that, you know, Bracken County had a great week this week. At yeah. Augusta win, at Ludlow win, and yeah. then played Lloyd who? Pendleton, beat Pendleton, and then came down to the wire against a very good Ludlow team. And I think I read on Twitter – or Ludlow, sorry, Lloyd. I think I read on Twitter that they were down 13 to nothing in that game. Wow. Yeah, they, they so, came back and got it close, but it seemed like, you know, they couldn't couldn't rally from there. Um, and I really play. believe that Bracken County with Caden and Blake and Caden starting to find his own offensively, I still feel like he's a, a point guard first to where he likes to get his teammates involved. He's a pass first, but if he's able to continue to get in the paint and hit that little mid-range jumper that he likes to shoot, he's getting a lot of layups in transition because of the defense they're playing. If he starts putting up 25-27 every night and so does Blake, look out. Yeah, but I think the one thing with that, though, is last night they scored 51 of their 55. They got to get something elsewhere. They need that third complimentary score, whether it be – Austin Norton, Peyton Tullidge, Shad Commodore, one of those three. I know well, Devontae, did Dev- did Devontae Jefferson play or is he still out? He's still out. Um, so he's he's been battling um, some sort of illness this last week. So. And I know Devontae's their third leading scorer, and he will right. give them a third third scoring option. So um, yeah. yeah, 51 out of 55 is not ideal. They do, you know, they do need help. And if the role players get help and they can get up in the 60s, 70s with the defense they play, then they're gonna win some games. I mean, they're weak. Put, put them in the top five to me, though. I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you my rankings since I know we, we kind of discuss those weekly. But I think the top four remain unchanged, except I, I have GRC one, Mason two, and then I flip-flop Campbell and Harrison. Um, I put Campbell three, Harrison four. I, I just – I wanted to see Harrison put up a bigger fight against GRC. I know that game was at the GRC arena, but to lose by 38, I mean, that's a running clock. I mean – I expected that to be a lot closer. Um, I moved Bracken County up to five. Um, I had them seven last week, so I moved them up two spots. Put Scott at six. Still don't have a good read on them, but to me, it was an impressive loss to Mason County, considering they had three starters out. Um, two guys were at like a football combine event because they're, you know, Cam Patterson and, and Gus Howlett are getting looked at, and Mitchell Miner's still kind of um, out with, I believe, uh, health and safety protocols. I don't even know what they call it these days anymore at the high school level. Um, so I had them six. Still can't get a good read on them yet just because of their schedule. Um, Augusta seven, I dropped them a couple spots. I, I just thought even without uh, – even with the limited Maston, you got to beat Fairview. Um, you know, and it, it's not a dig on Fairview. It's just a game Augusta I think was expected to win. 
Um, I moved Brossard up uh, to eight. And then I've got I, I moved Robertson County up to nine. I, I thought they had a good week, and it seems like they're starting to gel and, and work around Justin. And if he's going to put up 40 pieces nightly, they can beat anyone nightly, you know, pretty much in the region, almost anybody in the region. Uh, I put Bourbon at 10, Montgomery at 11. I think those two you could probably flip-flop until they play each other, to be honest. Uh, Calvary Christian, 12. A bad loss to Heritage Academy this week. I just wasn't that impressed. And I don't know, maybe they're just not clicking just yet, but they've been my biggest drop in the rankings. I think I had them as high as six or seven, and they're down to 12. Uh, I've got Pendleton at 13. I got Paris at 14. Nicholas at 15. Paris beat Nicholas this week. And then St. Patrick, congrats, Tony Moore and the Saints. They got their first win on Saturday night against Hillsborough Christian and could get two in a row come Monday if they can beat Covington Latin. And our rankings are very similar. Um, I got GRC one, Mason two, Campbell three, Harrison four. I put Scott at five. Um, I put a lot of stock in the schedule that they played. And uh, the fact that they played Mason County close, I feel like the tough schedule that they played you know, allowed them to compete with Mason County. It's only going to make them better. Um, until I see Scott play against Bracken or Augusta, I feel like right now Scott's ahead. I got Bracken six, Augusta seven. Um, I had Montgomery County eight, which is a little high. Um, um, don't really have anything to base that on. I think it was a mistake on my part. I really feel like Bourbon's eight. Um, Brosser should be nine. I have Robertson County 10. Then I have Montgomery 11, Brosser 12, uh, Calvary then Pendleton, Paris, Nicholas, and St. Pat. But I agree with you, man. Calvary, um, I had high expectations for them at the beginning of the year, and I really felt like they were a top-10 team. And I'm not saying they're not a top-10 team, but they're just not playing like it right now. Um, losing to Heritage, um, I think it's a bad loss for them. But I think there's been some other games that have been a little closer than I expected. Mm-hmm. So, um, But, you know, these rankings change every day, every week. You know, tomorrow after you see Mason County play – you know, they may move up, they may move down if, you know, whatever, but um, they change. And um, before we go, I want to mention that uh, Scott, Scott reached out to me and asked me that they're having their first uh, uh, inaugural Scott tourney. Um, It starts on December 20th, which is tomorrow. And I think there's three days they have uh, the only 10th region team in it is Scott, but there looks to be some good teams, Connor versus Batavia, Simon Kenton versus Muhlenberg. Oldham versus Science Hill and Scott versus Greenwood. Those games start at two o'clock and they'll kind of sequence one after another. I do want to mention if you're you're bored on the 20th, that Scott versus Greenwood game could be really good. Greenwood's got a kid that played for Manimal that played with uh, Becker one whole summer named Cade Stinnett, Cade Stinnett. He's getting a lot of college looks, but also they wanted me to mention that if you can't make it, all games will be streamed through the Scott Athletics YouTube page. So that's a free way to view those games, and I actually think that's a game that I'm probably going to check out. Yeah, it sounds like a good field. You know, you got Scott in there. You got Connor. Um, Simon Canton's nice. Simon Canton, you know, Muhlenberg's usually always a good team out of the third region. Like you said, Greenwood. Uh, I don't really know much about, you know, Batavia um, High School. but uh, Or Science Hill. I don't even know where Science Hill's at. That's uh, I think I believe that's there. When I was in, were they the one that had the superintendent? They were the one that had the superintendent sent out that crazy message when COVID came about. Just kind of, I don't know. It was real crazy. Well, out of Memphis. Science Hills out of Memphis. Well, no, it ain't that Science Hill there. Yeah, there's a Science Hill in Kentucky. They're, they're, they're good. It's usually a pretty solid program because 
I played my high school basketball in in Tennessee, and um, Science Hill was usually a name that you, you'd see in their class, whether it be at the state tournament or, or making it right there. So they'll, they'll be a good team, I'm pretty sure. And I know Oldham County is really good. Of course. Uh, yeah. So, and I'll be honest with you, you know, usually when you host a tournament, you want to kind of give yourself an easy first round game. Yeah. I, I don't think Scott, I don't think Scott could have picked anyone that was going to be easy, um, which Coach Froze never really shied away from competition. But uh, that Scott Greenwood game, I think I'm probably going to watch on YouTube tomorrow because I look for it to be a pretty good game. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right. Uh, before we go, uh, Evan, once again, thank you uh, for coming on weekly. I really enjoy doing this. I really think uh, I've had a lot of people reach out to me telling us that they enjoy it, um, that they love the insight, and, you know, just to hear us talk about 10th Region basketball and the teams and players getting recognition that they deserve. So um, I appreciate you doing it and coming on. And once again, um, we'll be back next Sunday. Before I go, I would also like to direct your attention to Weddle.podbean. Dot com. Danny has started a podcast called Conversations with Danny Weddle. He brings on a lot of great guests. I've listened to the one with uh, former Toesboro head coach Al Bain, and I know he's got three or four others on there as well. So check that out at dannyeweddle.podbean.com. And I hope each and every one of you guys have a Merry Christmas, and stay tuned, and stay hot.